people are always dealing with with uh, with the problem of pain, the problem of of, good, of evil and suffering, the, the the problem of injustice and wickedness. Uh, and, you know, and, and Lewis, through his conversion, came to the conclusion that you know what, Christianity doesn't solve those problems; it creates them. This is the Act One Podcast. I'm your host, James Duke. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor and help us spread the word by sharing it with others who you think might also enjoy it. And be sure to subscribe and leave us a good review. My guests today are writer and actor Max McLean and writer, producer, and director Norman Stone. Max and Norman are the filmmakers behind the film The Most Reluctant Convert, the new film based on the writings of C.S. Lewis. The Most Reluctant Convert features award-winning actor Max McLean as the older Lewis and Nicholas Ralph, breakout star of PBS masterpieces All Creatures Great and Small, as young Lewis. Beautifully filmed in and around Oxford, this engaging biopic follows the creator of the Chronicles of Narnia from the tragic death of his mother when he was just nine years old through his strained relationship with his father to the nightmare of the trenches of World War I to Oxford University where friends like J.R.R. Tolkien challenge his unbelief. Written for the screen and directed by two-time Emmy and BAFTA winner Norman Stone, The Most Reluctant Convert brings to life the spiritual evolution of one of 20th century's sharpest minds and keenest wits. The film is currently playing in theaters through November 18th. You can purchase tickets by going to cslewismovie.com. I had a wonderful conversation with Max and Norman that we recorded over Zoom that I'm sure you will enjoy. Welcome to the Act One podcast, Mr. Norman Stone and Mr. Max McLean. It is a pleasure to have both of you uh, join me today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, James. I wanted to start off, obviously, the, the bulk of our conversation I want to spend talking about your latest film, which is in theaters right now, and we want people when they hear this podcast to run out, rush out and purchase a ticket and uh, wherever the, the, the film is playing, you guys have collaborated as um, uh, Norman, you're the director and producer and Max, you were a writer, um, actor and producer, right on this film. And it's called The Most Reluctant Convert, which is the um, true story of C.S. Lewis based on his own writings. And this, and this film itself is actually based on the one-man play that, um, Max, you wrote and have been performing for the past uh, numerous years. Um, and so I want to start there. W- where did the idea first originate of taking this successful one-act show and adapting it and turning it into a feature film? Well, Norman, we you know we, we do have our creation myth, and ours begins with a long drive from. Uh, 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 I was doing a, I was doing this show uh, at uh, the one man play Most Reluctant Convert at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, and I was en route to Charleston, South Carolina, by car rental car. It's about a three and a half hour drive, and en route, I've been thinking about would this. Uh, would this play ever 
become a have the potential to be a movie and and the one person i could ask would be norman norman and i met at an arts conference in in uh, santa monica i believe about uh, 2010 uh, hit it off we'd have dinner together and we talked about it in in vague terms but never with a specific project in mind and uh, let me take a look to the states and this would have been in october of 2019 and I think in January 2020, he was coming to the States and he'd read the script and he wanted to talk more about it. And uh, we had a really good meeting in January 2020. He, you know, he gave me various ways of how the script could be done uh, from simple to more complex. And uh, and we said, OK, uh, I think he you know, he asked for a little bit of seed money to 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 test out some of his ideas and. But, you know, I was looking at this as a 2022, 2023 project uh, down the road. I didn't see it as immediate. It hit. I mean, in a sense that everything shut down on March 12th. I think the president spoke that night. And uh, we had three shows. You know, we're, we're a touring company. We, have a, we had three shows in New York, three shows on the road, one show in New York. And everything shut down. You know, I mean, we were, you know, moving 2,000 tickets a week to zero and stayed there for, you know, if we, got, if we could have found a way to get below zero, we would have done it. Uh, boy, it was it was tough. And uh, and I was kind of shocked. You know, I didn't know what to do, you know, because and, and remember, in those days, everything was going to be, you know, it was 15 days to flatten the curve. Remember that? Yep. You know, I yep, kept yep, thinking, yep. what am I going to do for two weeks? You know, so uh, but uh, to, to to get to to where it went from there. Once we came to the conclusion it was going to be a long-term shutdown, Norman and I were meeting very regularly on the script. And then he, in one of our meetings, he said, you know, they're going to open up filmmaking in the UK in August. And, and a good cast together if we were prepared to act quickly. And uh, I asked him to confirm that, you know, and and uh, make sure the locations we needed were available. And then I went to my board and said, could we get the money to uh, get the film in the can, you know, shoot it. We'll, we'll worry about post-production, we'll worry about distribution later. And they did. Uh, we got the rights from C.S. Lewis Estate. And then on August 31st of 2020, I got on a plane as big as Air Force One with less people on it and uh, Went to London to quarantine. Uh, went to Oxford to quarantine for two weeks. We began production work. You know, Norman had already been working hard. Uh, I got involved about the mid-September, and uh, we finished mid-October. And here we are, one year later, with a finished product. That is a that is a fascinating, uh, amazingly in in Hollywood movie making terms. That is. Light speed um, uh, process. Shall I, shall, yeah. I, shall I just tell you a little bit about Max during that process? Um, <laughs> no, uh, seriously, Max did phone me up in that from a car, and we chatted, and he then sent the script. Um, the idea that this would be translatable into from stage to screen is, of course, a very interesting one. But I, I came up, if you remember, Max, with three options. And I'm mentioning this because, Max, I am totally indebted to your bravery in going ahead with this. Um, absolutely. 
But the, the, where he, what attracted him was the word danger, which tells you a lot about Max. Um, I said, there's three choices. There's one pointing the camera at the stage and doing a record of it and cutaways with audience. But yeah, oh, you could make that work. There was a lot of one-man shows I'd done in the past, and I said, you could do it as a one-man show in real locations with breath hanging in the air if it's cold and all that stuff. Uh, and, and, and I like those. They, they can work, breaking the fourth wall. But I'd done a fair few of them. And he said, what's the third? I said, oh, that's the dangerous one. <laughs> and from then on, I felt we weren't moving forward. We did move forward. But it, it, I said, look, I don't know what it is yet, but I can taste it and smell it. But I know there's something extra there by pushing the bounds because I knew the breaking the fourth wall already worked. And when Max came across and they made that brave decision to do it because COVID was still rife, we had to spend so much, although the film business was just about to pick up, we had to spend so much money on COVID testing. It was incredible. It was like an extra budget. No one caught COVID while we were shooting. But Max, everyone forgets, Max had to sit in a little house called the Orangery at the location which was eventually going to be taken over by more or less the crew. And there was a lady in charge that became our friend, but she was on Max's tail, spotting him if he went outside at the wrong moment. And in the <laughs> evening, it was, was like... I'd put on a dark coat and sneak through the shadows, and I'd go and talk to Max. I would sit outside with my coat on. Max would be inside, and we opened the door. We could communicate, although I think that was pushing it a little at times. But that's <laughs> how it worked out, and great dedication on Max's part to do that. I think you were stir-crazy once or twice, Max. Didn't she catch you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did catch me. I, I left the bounce. Uh, they actually gave me... I could do it after hours, I think, uh, oh, when yeah. nobody was around. Yeah. I love it. But, uh, but the interesting thing, too, just to, to continue that, is that we had no, uh, at least as far as I know, we had no negative tests. I think a positive test right. with the wrong person would have shut us down. Mm -hmm. uh, it would. Because what was, in, and what was interesting, too, is uh, it opened up for filmmaking in, in sort of late August, but it closed in like late October. So our window was very small. I don't think we realized how small our window was. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's better to, you know, well, just trust the Lord. Yeah, that was very, that was very much the feeling too. Um, it felt it was the right time to do it. We did fit into that very narrow window um, and so much could have gone wrong. So, um, or we, but it didn't. Um, no negative, no, no tests that will close us down or anything. And we managed to get a lot done in a short time. And how um, many how many days of production, Norman? How many how many shooting days? It was in the end when you added them up. David O'Neill, our first um, our first uh, um, line producer, told me it was he'd worked out it was fourteen and a half days. Wow. Um, now, I think it was meant to be 15 or 16, but there was travel and stuff. But filming apparently had 14 and a half days. That's what he said. And he was the man checking it out. So, yeah, it was it was a great crew. Wouldn't you agree, Max? It was a very... Yeah, and it was, it was a very, you know, it was, it was nine, ten pages a day. Yeah. Uh, it was quick. Uh, but that's a testament to... Norman's organization, and and it was a very happy crew. I mean, it, it really was. Everybody was, you know, in line. 
sort of seven geese flying. Uh, there was a, you know, we didn't, I, I, I don't recall, uh, at least I wasn't aware of them, you know, any, any lost days. No, yeah. there wasn't. The usual bit of shuffling dates occasionally if there was a problem, but we fitted it in and kept shuffling. Um, I think the the idea of, of when I look back, I the crew were very happy. I was very happy. They all got behind it. It was their film. They were talking about Lewis and Pontinus theology at lunchtime, for goodness sake. And wow. uh, it, it was a really positive um, and let's go for it. I mean, you can tell that without giving the game away, the first scene uh, where we're preparing to make the film, they all appear in it, basically. Now, I don't know many crews that would have done that without objection or get out of here or that's going to cost you anything. They couldn't wait. They were, it was their film as well as ours. And yeah. um, and I think that shows. And it was a very happy film. Let, let's talk me. without giving, you know, without giving away the store, you created a, a framing device. So for those yeah. who are, Listening, who haven't seen the film yet, um, obviously, what, like what we said earlier, Max had created a, a one-man show that he was touring and performing. And so, Norman, you took that and you essentially created a framing device for the film, and um, which I think was pretty clever. Like, you, it's not something that you you see uh, typically. And so, been, I think there have been one or two others. I was told Wild Strawberries by Bergman had done it. Well, isn't it for comparing me and? putting me in the same queue as Bergman. <laughs> but um, what, what I'm saying is that that if, in a way, I mean, the, the, the stage plays fantastic. And, and Lewis's words are not only tailored together by Max, they are understood and come across, sometimes very deep thinking, come across when you're sitting there. It is slightly different when you make a film. There's another pact or two you have to make. Uh, that's going to be entertaining um, and that you still want the content, um, that it's going to be actually filmic and hold you. Humor has got to be part of it uh, and all these things. And I think that came together. You see, Max not only started off the one man show, but he was in the very dead center of the film when it came out. Yes, I did the framing advice and worked out what should happen, where and when. But at least 80 percent, probably 85 percent was just straight from the stage. Um, uh, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels very fresh. If yeah, you it, you're right. You're right. It does not. It does not feel like a. It does not feel like a watching just a traditional filmed uh, play. You. You. Uh, and and even the cinematography is really nicely done. Yeah, it had to be. Uh, and therefore, people are with you. They get surprised. They listen more than they think. I've seen one or two letters come and say, oh, I can't wait to see it again. Some of the things I want to think about even more because you're not easing up on the content, but you are making it accessible, acceptable, and I'm not afraid of the word, entertaining. Yes. And, and that, with, with Lewis first, Max McLean coming on to pull the, Lewis's words together and then be Lewis, that's a pretty rich vein for a director like me to get my teeth into. And, and, and I think... It all came together. Max and I got on tremendously. I was a bit shocked when he told me out of the blue that he hadn't been on camera before in a production. Really? I, 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 a few days, yeah, a few hours later, I woke up um, for another <laughs> all. But, but, but he never, sorry, Max, it's true. You didn't put a foot wrong. You didn't. Although I kept asking for extra takes and things, you didn't put a foot wrong. And the crew, Max, I don't know if you know this, the crew could not believe this was your first film. 
And you yeah. had huge respect from that crew seeing what you were doing. So it was, it all came together. It did in the middle of the COVID situation, which is one of my happiest memories. That's wonderful. I, Max, I wonder if we could take a step back uh, to the creation of this one-man show. I would love to know, where did your interest and passion uh, for C.S. Lewis and his writings come from that initially led you to want to create uh, what would eventually become your one-man show, which would have, which eventually became this film? Well, uh, before I did this piece, uh, I also adapted the screw tape letters for the stage, and I adapted uh, with uh, help uh, The Great Divorce uh, for the stage. And uh, both of those are about aspects of Lewis's spiritual journey, his cha- the challenges that he had. Uh, he's very autobiographical. You know, he's a very deep well, and he uh, and he's always going there. Uh, my first uh, uh, association with Lewis came uh, shortly after my own conversion. I was an adult convert in my twenties, and uh, I was given a couple of books. But the screw tape letters, page one, you know, the guy in the, the I don't know if you remember, the, the man in the British Museum, uh, how he was about reading something of great import and, and uh, screw tape says, isn't it just about time for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. And, 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 and then he ends that scene and, and he is now safe in our father's house. And I go, whoa. <laughs> You know, so, I mean, Lewis really got my attention with, with yep. that and, and the rest of the book is that way. So he, he, he really got me to understand spiritual warfare. And I, I took him very seriously very early on as a spiritual guide. But I never saw him as, as, the, as having theatrical writing for theater. He never wrote for theater. Uh, and his material is not really theatrical. It's much more the, the sparks are mental. Uh, but what was interesting is is his intellect and his emotions are very tied together. Um, and so, uh, and of course, a convert story, a conversion story, once I was this, now I'm that, you know, it's about change. So I thought we, I thought there was a theatrical element in terms of conflict in it that would, uh, if people would, would go along for the ride, I think you want to give them a hook, uh, you know, a hook is in 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 the in in the case of of convert. You know, he is a a vigorous debunker of Christianity. You know, the uh, uh, hardest of the hardcore against, and his arguments against are very strong. And so, so you're going from a, a very strong negative to a very powerful positive, and how he gets there if you're willing to go along for the ride is quite compelling when you first um created the stage play did did you ever envision it would become more than just a stage play or is that just a because he was talking about how you have never uh done anything uh in front of the camera before which i know that's not true you have there's been cameras set in the back of the room because I've seen you oh, on yeah. YouTube. I've seen you on YouTube. No, but uh, but uh, no, but I mean, in terms of that, that's just following me around doing my my shtick, you know. And but I mean, actually playing, you know, for the 
camera with all those close-ups and and all that pressure. I mean, that was I, I was nervous. You know, really? I didn't know. I always thought I always thought I was a theater actor, and and I and you know the the, the sort of caricatures theater actors are too big for film. Yes, and yes. and you know and so uh, I was nervous about that. In fact, I told Norman in the beginning I wanted to do. I thought the play was deserving of a film treatment, and and I think in early discussions I I didn't think I, I wanted what was best for the film, and if what was best for the film was to have somebody else play it, and you know Norman has you know tremendous access to to talent. Uh, I didn't want that to be in the way. Now I will say, once I read the script <laughs> and this film script, I wanted to do it. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad I did. And, and, I, and I'm glad I did because I do think, you know, that script, if you give it to an actor and, and, and expect him to start filming in a month, he would really have a hard time. Uh, you know, I've lived with that script for, for three years. So I knew where all the beats were. Uh, I really understood Lewis's character. One of the things I, I've, uh, uh, one of the ways I know Lewis so well is, is you know this the play is based primarily on his memoir, "Surprised right. by Joy." Right. And before I ever started writing the script, I transcribed that book. I wanted to follow his thoughts after him and really understand why he went here instead of there. And in the process, I got to understand his self sense of humor, uh, certainly his uh, just the way he he articulated sentences. Um, and and that was that was the early foundation for all of this was that work I did all by myself back in. 2011, 2012, and and that was ever even before I ever thought this could make it on stage. Um, Norman, uh, the challenge of directing someone, and I know obviously you you had a joy working with Max, but at the same time, was there a challenge at all at, in any scenes where here's someone who knows the material so well, right? He knows this material so well. Were there times when he knew it a little too well? Were you you wanted him to make a different choice? Because obviously on stage, he had made the same choices over and over yeah. again. And you had to sit with him and go, let's try it. Let's try it a different way. What was it like approaching, directing Max, who had played this role so many times on stage? Uh, yeah, you don't copy it. Um, but I don't mind being led by someone who knows about it and then adjusting that. As I recall it, some of those... Uh, week, 10 days, whatever it was, where I was sitting, shivering outside, talking to Max through an open door. I mean, we chatted through these things and we did a bit of read through. It wasn't intense. It wasn't vital. But Max knows an awful lot about C.S. Lewis anyway. He knows about performing, but he also knew this wasn't going to be on stage, which is a difference in performance. There's not every actor that can do this, by the way. I, I know one or two, uh, one or two really brilliant ones. Jonathan Price is brilliant at it. Uh, Eileen Atkins is, is brilliant at it, but some of them aren't. Um, and and all it took, I mean, since Max was acting from the heart as well as the mind and, and the heart of understanding and loving Lewis, so understanding what was behind the words that he himself had tailored together from Lewis's own writing, that helped a lot. The, the key thing, I think, is we trusted each other. I trust Max 
I, I, just because he hadn't been on film before, I trusted him as an actor anyway. He hadn't been around all my films, but he trusted me as a director anyway. And here's the key, the magic little phrase, we were both making the same film. And because I'd had to turn it towards film, and he already knew the, 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 the script for the stage, we just trusted each other, and that was it. We were making the same film. We would discuss things. We'd try things different ways here and there. But the other good thing about working fast is that you don't get into too much um, disagreement, inner thinking, or anything like that. It just seemed to go, as I recall, Max trusted me. for. The, I was looking through the camera and, and wanting certain things that would work. Max just said he was concerned about close-ups and things. Well, yeah, but that's part of the language of film, and, and, and he trusted me on that. I hope I listened to Max when, I think I did, when he suggested other things. And I don't think there's ever been, there was ever a case where we ever came to sort of a disagreement. We may have tried it a couple of ways. I know one or two really large actors I've worked with where apparently they're meant to be very difficult. But you can always do it two ways. Um, and I'm talking big stars. But the in this case, um, we uh, that's it. We were making the same film. We had an opportunity which we both embraced. And it we had a crew from... Heaven sent. It was everyone was yeah. it was different. So I, I don't recall any anything on the wrong side. Just everyone going to make it better for the others. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also think there was there was uh, there was no almost no room for error, in the sense that uh, you know we had a we had a very tight deadline, uh, and kind of speed speed was. Uh, a key part, you know, getting through nine or 10 pages a day. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of shocking to think that we, we shot that 15 days <laughs> because, you know, there were 18 locations. Uh, it was like 15 or 17 actors, you know, with parts, speaking parts. There was 190 extras, 240 costumes. It's four different periods. Uh, it's a one man show, man. And, and you know, so it, it looks, you know, it looked, yeah, it looks like, yeah, I mean it. It you know it was kind of approaching Tolstoy's War and Peace. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I'm a, no, I exaggerate. I exaggerate. <laughs> but it, but but at the same at the same time, here you here you find yourself shooting at Oxford. Yeah, and everything's shut down. So there must have been some benefit. You you guys must have had. Uh, uh, clear right of way at times in terms of you're not having to deal with having to shut down major thoroughfares and things like that. Was, was, was there, was that somewhat uh, advantageous actually filming I, I, at that time? I, I will say one thing about that, Max, because do you remember when we were filming um, your um, middle self, uh, Nicholas Ralph uh, arriving at Oxford and we were yes. due to be filming this arrival and we were, suddenly the permissions to film on the road were revoked yes. uh, because people would complain if they can actually be doing a film, why can't I walk around and do what I wanted to do? So we uh -huh. tried to help what we could. We, we adapted on the spot for that sort of thing. Um, and we didn't ever really close major roads. We, I'm, I'm used to make working fast, as people will tell you, and I'm used to, have to having to think on my feet a bit, and just as I'm sure Max is on the stage. And you, you couldn't afford to make a problem. You had to make a solution. Um, but the places that we, and by good preparation, 
even though it's quick preparation, Magdalen College, for example, is fantastic. Um, we had to get on with the bursa and so on and, and set it up. Um, I, I think the weather can cause you to sh- shovel your schedule around in various ways. But even even that, when we were doing the First World War, we had to do the First World War in an evening uh, on, a, on a very um, strange lawn, actually it was originally. Um, and uh, it poured with rain, which really added to the atmosphere. Um, I was so thrilled to see everyone getting soaking and blowing themselves up and things. It looked great, but we used a few. It did. It, by the way, it did look great. I, I must confess, when you first, when that scene first popped up, I, in my mind, I thought, oh, they're on a soundstage. And then when you pulled out for the wide, I thought, oh, this is nice. Well done. And it, it, it's Could, it's very well done. Very well done. Couldn't afford a soundstage. No <laughs> But again, we everyone went for it. Uh, so the line producer on that evening uh, took it upon himself to get gallons of hot chili and and serve it up with with a great grin and ev- that people weren't expecting it. And bingo, it was there. It was just great. Love it. That's great. I love hearing stuff like that. I you know for me guys, the film one one of the things that I really took away and enjoyed about the film, and, and I'm excited for other people to see it is um, uh, it's not melodramatic at all. And in fact, um, there is such a, um, the conversion, what, what we would call the conversion experience is really more of this journey that C.S. Lewis goes through. And it is, of course, it's, it, 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 it's a testament to how God rescues the whole person. It's not just his heart, but it's his mind. And because Lewis was such a deep thinker, the film goes to great lengths to explore how his mind and his heart had to convert. It had to turn. It had to change. And and Max, I wonder if you could just speak to that a little bit, because I actually think that's one of the more fascinating aspects of this film. I think modern, modern, you know, what's considered Christian films, if you will, uh, a lot of times... um, are, they tend to over sensationalize or for good or for bad over sensationalize. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the conversion experiences tend to be overly emotional in nature. This is not that at all. And I wonder if you could just kind of talk a little bit about um, basically what you know from Lewis, from his writings, and then you yourself, your approach to, to the performance of those moments. Well, you know, we spoke earlier about the long path from vigorous to bunker. You know, he lost his mother to cancer. Uh, and I thought that seems very poignant. Uh, you know, you really get the loss of, of the anchor of that family. Uh, he had a terrible relationship with his father. Um, uh, he was, you know, we talked about the war scene. Uh, you know, he saw the butchery of, of, of the Great War. He called it the hell where youth and laughter go only to see horribly smashed men still moving about like crushed beetles. I mean, that's just strong visual language. Um, And he comes to the conclusion that either there's no God behind the universe, God who's indifferent to good and evil or worse, an evil God. And, and I think that sentence resonates with a lot of people uh, because, you know, there's uh, people are always dealing with, with, uh, with the problem of pain, the problem of 
of good, of evil and suffering, the, the, the problem of injustice and wickedness. Uh, and, you know, and, and Lewis, through his conversion, came to the conclusion that, you know what, Christianity doesn't solve those problems, it creates them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in, in the sense that, you know, the, the reason those are the, the the, the reason those are, are are issues is because you have some expectation that ultimate reality is righteous and good. Mm. Because if you if you don't have that expectation, then if it's all just and I think the the film points this out, uh, the accidental results of physics and biochemistry, then you know our day to day experience of evil and suffering is just. Uh, a natural byproduct of a of a of an arbitrary and capricious universe. So uh, so it sets up these very important questions that we don't. Uh, I think they're all under the surface, but we need to bring them out. And and so Lewis's big big emotional move is one very hard for Christians to understand. Is is that he became a theist? He yes. became a believer, believer in God, and that was that was the kind of you know he had the emotional reaction that we often say uh, when you you know repent and and come to Jesus. He says, "No, uh, the God to whom I surrendered was not human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew nothing of the incarnation, uh, and so it was another step." about who is this Jesus that is very compelling in the movie. You know, there's that wonderful walk, Addison's walk, where uh, Tolkien and and uh, Lewis are having one of many conversations. And, and he, uh, Tolkien uh, has a line of thought that God used to, make Lewis understand how significant Jesus is because Lewis said, listen, I've come to believe in God, but I, but not Christ. I, you know, I don't understand how the life and death of someone else 2000 years ago can help us here and now. And when, when uh, Tolkien takes him back to their mutual love of mythology, the great characters, which, you know, you, you guys at act one, that's what Hollywood, you know, Hollywood have no business if it were not for the mythological uh, characters or at least the mythological themes, the archetypal themes of good and evil. And uh, and in, in the case of rising and dying gods, for whatever reason, how does a god die? And then it rises again. Uh, Lewis was captured by these stories. Balder the beautiful is dead, is dead. You know, that just opened him up, Osiris, Dionysus, uh, but not Jesus. And that's what Tolkien pointed out. It says that, you you know, whenever you meet a God, sacrifice yourself in a pagan story, you like it very much and are mysteriously moved by it, provided you meet it anywhere except in the Gospels. And then he says the story of Jesus is a myth working on us in the same way as other myths. With one tremendous difference, it really happened. And all of a sudden, the light bulb went on. And I love what, what Norman did in that moment. It's probably the, one of the most profound moments in the whole film. The wind 
blows across yep. uh, Lewis's face at that moment. Yep. Uh, and I don't even think Tolkien even knew what he said. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, in terms of of the import, how how that those words uh, hit him, and and that and, and what that did for Lewis is it made him go to the Gospels and read it as a hero story. Yeah. And he and then and then that's where his great apologetic is. What do you do with this Jesus? Is he who he says he is? If if his statements are false, Christianity is of no importance. If true, it is of infinite importance. So what do we make of the of the recorded acts and sayings of Jesus? And that's where he came with his liar, lunatic Lord. And it's really, really powerful. And the Lord has used it on many, many people's lives. It, it is really powerful. And I think for a lot of people, it it gives them room. It gives them room in their own understanding of the gospel, their own understanding of finding who this person of Jesus is, because it shows how God had laid out for Lewis these breadcrumbs that he was following and he <laughs> leading him to Christ and these other people in his life. Um, I even love the the introduction of the character. Um, I apologize, I can't remember his name, but his mentor, his the 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 older gentleman he goes to live uh, with. The great knock. Yes, the great knock, oh, right? Patrick, yeah. Kirk. Yes. The great knock. The great knock. He 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 talks about how um without even the time spent with him uh, having the intellectual discipline uh of 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 study, even that is part and parcel of what led to his eventual conversion, all these things. And that's, I think one of the things you guys do a great job of in this film is you, is you see the breadcrumbs um, that eventually lead him and that it's a process. And that to me, I think for a lot of people, when they see this film, I think it's going to be even freeing for them to realize this is a discovery process. And at the end, Jesus will meet me there. I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful uh, journey that I think people will be able to go on watching this film. Um, I wonder if we could just spend a, 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 just a couple of minutes. I've got a director and an actor here. I mean, I know you guys obviously have done a lot more, but I wonder if we could speak and and I'd love for both of you to kind of give your um, perspective on this. So let's start with Norman Norman um, as a director what do you want from your actors? And then Max, I would ask you the reverse as an actor. What do you, what do you want from your directors? So, cause we have people that are listening to this podcast that are aspiring filmmakers, they're aspiring actors, aspiring directors. So for you, Norman, as a director, what are you looking for when you're casting? Um, what are you looking for when you're directing actors? What, what, what do actors need to know that maybe they don't know um, that a director is looking for? Um, okay. It's going to sound a little corny, but the first, when you started asking that question, the first word that went slamming in is truth. Um, you, you, too many actors act acting, you know, and that's not, that's not good. Certainly when you get close up in film. Um, I, so I, I think it needs to be truth. I think every word needs to be spoken uh, as if it had never been spoken before. Uh, it's tricky with Shakespeare. That may not apply there. Max will tell you that. But basically, even then, no, even then I'd stick with that. Um, so it's coming fresh, 
from the tongue to the ears of the people. It's not, it's the same sort of point, really. But I also think um, they've got to trust the director, if he's, if he's worth it. Uh, I, I look at it like tightrope walking. Um, I can't walk the tightrope. The actor's got to walk the tightrope. But if he's got to trust me when I said, and now a triple somersault, please. Um, <laughs> he's got to say, um, and, and, and I, the director should listen as well. Um, why would I insist like some sort of curmudgeonly old selfish creator that it's everything's done the way I want it, it, Max knows an awful lot about, more about Lewis in certain areas than I would ever get to so although my job is to steer and to create the vision I have this head that won't stop seeing pictures and I read the script and I see it all I must be open to hear what Max says but not lose my way that way lies madness um mm. And, and and I think that's part of the of the skill of being a director. And, and also you've got to have a visual sense of how it's going to cut together and so on. But to an actor, as an actor, I say truth, freshness, trust, I think. Um, TFT. <laughs> uh, there'd probably be more if I, if I sat and thought about it, but I'm fascinated as to what Max is going to say about me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, that's really good. Uh, Max, for you, what do you, as, as an actor, what do you look for and good qualities in a director? What do you need from them or want? Yeah, them? I think clarity is really key because uh, 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 I'm not going to say generally, but like with me, I've got so many things going on in my head at that moment uh, that I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I have to nail this moment from this thing, this and the other? and uh, and if an actor gives me too many words, I just tune it out because I've got too many, I've already got too many words. So I, I've got to, uh, I, I need to know what, what if a, it's different from a, uh, a theater perspective and a film perspective. Uh, Norman used the word trust. That is so important uh, because an actor does feel like he's on a tightrope. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's so much uh, insecurity in in the moment. You know, to get this right, and even if you're doing it really, really well, there's insecurity that you're not doing it better. Uh, so you're, it's like you're never satisfied, and and that can be a real enemy. In fact, it was wonderful to see a moment in the, sh in the show that I was so uh, disappointed that we didn't have another take at it because I thought we were just about ready to get to where it really needed to be. But, you know, we were already in overtime and, and the crew was about ready to leave. You know, they said, I don't care. You know, you stay by yourself. Uh, but, uh, you know, but looking at it on, on, on the, in the movie, I said, oh, that turned out really well because I definitely wanted another take, you know, uh, because, you know, you're just the actor. Actors are, are, are uh, uh, you know, they're perfectionists, it, it, too much so. And, 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 you know, in many ways, the perfectionism gets in the way of, of good filmmaking, good acting. Uh, so you, you've got to, uh, so it really helps when you have somebody, what I loved about working with Norman is he has a very clear vision of that moment, what he wants. Uh, 
And 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 if he doesn't like what he what what you give him, he's got a really wonderful way of telling you that, <laughs> you know. And, and so it's. Uh, but but the thing is, the reason you like it is because he, he you the, the the there's a trust factor that he's got a very clear vision. Um, now I've worked with some directors that they just want you to do other things just to do other things, and you can kind of, you you feel a little bit played, and that that's not a good feeling. Uh, and also because they don't know what they want, you know, and, uh, and that's, that can be a little bit frustrating because it's very time consuming. Uh, the other thing about acting, it's exhausting, you know, so, so you, you know, if you, if you're overworking it, you're already overworking it on your end. And if the director is, is not clear, then there's that double overwork. So it, it's, uh, uh, so the, the clarity issue is, is key. If they come in knowing if, if they come into the, to that scene or that day, you know, with, okay, we're going to accomplish this, 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 and this, and this, that's a good day. That's a good day. It's also mm-hmm. Max. Uh, this is what struck me when we were filming together. I mean, I don't, I've never directed theater, but I've directed an awful lot of film. Theater actors. So, and so, theater. Yeah. I, and, the, and the point is, I'm sort of handling your other grammar because I'm telling a story in close-up with a track, top shot, zoom in, rarely these days. But, you know, I'm I'm actually not affecting your performance. I'm translating your performance to the screen. And you went with that. You, you got real good at, at, at uh, understanding all that. And we would still do another take. If you, I always be, believe that people if there is time, should be allowed a second take if they want it. But after that, you played your yeah. joker. Yeah. And we haven't got time. You know, and, and looking and looking at the film, at some moments in the film, you know, the stage actor comes in and says, oh, I wish I had a little bit more energy here, mm-hmm. a little bit more energy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I, I don't think that, I, and I think it comes from experience, uh, is – how to how how to have this this relationship with the camera, you know, where you know it's too much, but the camera can tell you too it's not enough, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so the other thing too is that uh, in in theater the imprint is the voice, and and the script is so key. You know, there's many more words in the theater than there is in film, uh, where the imprint on film is the image. Uh, so I do think the words, you know, uh, the words are so important and the voice is important, but not to the level that I, at least that's my, uh, my early, uh, assessment. What, for, for both of you, um, spending, I mean, and, and maybe this answer is a little bit different for you, Max, obviously, because you spent so many years with the. Um, with C.S. Lewis's text and in, in creating the, the 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 play, but um, of, to both of you, after this experience of making this film, do do you come away with a new lesson? Is there anything that you feel like you've learned or taken away that's uh, that's different? That's at all um, a challenge or just a new sense of God's blessing or? Just, I'm just curious in terms of just the process of making this film. 
um, for you as the filmmakers? Did you come away learning something through this process? We'll start with you, Norman. Um, yes. Um, I learned that it's a real adrenaline rush to be able to look at something you care about because I've done other films on Lewis and so on and have enough time, even though you have to move fast, and enough creative freedom to have the vision in your mind of what you're trying to create, which isn't quite normal in filmmaking, and to be able to go for it with everyone's support, especially Max's, because he's the star. It doesn't matter. So you find you're going faster, happier, and more creatively exciting up than, than you would normally be given for a, being a jobbing director, as we call it in Britain. Um, so that was delicious, and I want more of it, please. Uh, but the other thing is, you do get close to each other as actor-director. I think that's true. Um, and, and I've seen it not happen on certain sets, and when it happens, it's just pick me up and fill my sails of wind. Let me go. And I don't know whether you felt that, Max. We didn't have time enough to talk about much of this, but I think that's true. We both knew something special was happening and a lot of, of of that is to cut out the slowness and the interference and the people from above saying well couldn't you cast that in this way couldn't you do this we were making the same film from the start and it was a blessed experience is yeah, that fair? i i would absolutely agree with that I, it, you know i came away with the experience uh wanting more uh that I mean, I, I want to live in those words. Uh, I, I want the world to hear these words. Uh, I, I, I feel, uh, this may not be exactly your question, but but I, I feel like Lewis, particularly with our, our post-Christian, post-truth, post-modern age, Lewis is a bridge to kind of reality, to objective truth, to to in some ways sense <laughs> uh, from a uh, from a supernatural sense and i and i also feel like his vision of christ uh is is a very compelling one uh you know the 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 basic idea is that god came from someplace else and came into our created universe and came out again, bringing us with him. That's, you know, all his stories are uh, uh, a real sense of, of uh, an eternal world, an eternality, um, and to get beyond the fear of death. That, uh, so that, you know, when you're old, you know, and you're uh, full of years, as the Bible says, uh, you know, that's a passageway to the next life. And, and one of the things that I'm become increasingly aware of uh, in culture, particularly during the COVID period, is, is how we've been taught to live for now. And everything is for now, particularly during COVID times. Uh, the this the sense of we have an eternal world and here we're so stuck in this world and we're so afraid of death we're so afraid that uh of of making a false move 
and uh, uh, you know, there's there's all this this safety and, and in Great Divorce, Lewis talks about uh, you know this feeling of safety that we need. You know that it's not even real safety; it's just the feeling of it, um, because we're we're just so afraid to really look at reality in the in in the face, and that's what Lewis helps us do. One of the joys of historic Christianity is that we stand on the shoulders of other great men and women and saints of God who um, who have thought long and hard and have studied the scriptures and wrestled with the same questions that we have wrestled with. Maybe not in the same context. You know, maybe Augustine wasn't wrestling with uh, how artificial intelligence <laughs> works, but he was struggling with I, the idea of of who is man, and uh, and what and 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 what is sin, and um, yeah, and and let me just you know, and this is one of the reasons why I want to make theater and film with this worldview in the background because if we don't make it, nobody else is going to make it. Uh, because the, the the kinds of people coming out of film school don't come from this worldview. Yep, that's right. And so they're, you know, they're, 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 it's all this, well, whatever is out there. With the with the the only exception we touched on it earlier was those archetypal myths, which is you know the true myth, which actually point to the true myth. So uh, I think that that's because those are that's bedrock reality, a uh, bedrock truth. Uh, so. Uh, the, the 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 point is is that uh, the experience of making this film is to continue to make more that that touch at this level. Yeah, and I think that um, individuals like Lewis and others, we can continue to stand on their shoulders and um, and be able to read what they've written in the past and look towards the future and try to figure out <laughs> try to figure out our present because our present is pretty. It's pretty messed up. It's pretty um, scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think wow. that it might be well worth mentioning. There have been one or two cases, um, Max and I already know, of it, the, the open-minded secularist can absorb this and eat it up for lunch. They do. I, I've had one or two extraordinary emails from people who are not Christians, but who take it on as a real challenge to their own thinking, if they're honest and open. And these characters... That sort of person is not usually being fed much by the uh, by the Christian community in terms of film and stuff. It's uh, evan I'm an evangelist. I'm, I'm an evangelical. But there's an awful lot of people out there that need to be listened to and talked to and fed the thinking and fed the friendship. It's not all mega blasting shouting. And and it's it's that challenge. I, I talk a lot, so it's a challenge to me to realize that <laughs> listening is also quite important. But this film does speak to them, and I want it to speak to them. Well, uh, and I want more films like that to speak to them. It's an excellent point, Norman. And and there's one more thing that I think we haven't touched on. You you just touched on it, and that is relationship. Like there's this film points to the fact that. The, the relationships, the good people that were around that Lewis found himself surrounded by that his friends, they led him to Christ. And we can't, you can't miss that. 
perhaps you can find God in a book, ideally the Bible, <laughs> but we also know that we also know that people have done horrible things in history who who memorized entire books of the Bible. So we know yeah. that knowledge, just the accumulation of knowledge doesn't transform a person. But in the context of relationship, this this opened up things for Lewis that um, that that will it will do the same for you. And if you're, you know, I heard someone once say the Bible has has very little, if anything, to say to a lone ranger Christian, right? Like if you're out there on your own by yourself, just trying to make it, it has very little to say, but it has everything to say to someone who's trying to live life in the context of community, surrounded by people trying to learn and grow in that relationship. And you guys actually touch on this because you see this even uh, in a small way in your film, in terms of how those friends impacted um, Lewis himself. Um, Is that something that was uh, uh, something that you took away, Max, in your studies of Lewis in terms of the importance of these men? Um, I mean, I I think a lot has been read, uh, written about the inklings and so on. But in this, in this case, it was like Owen Barfield was a college buddy. Um, and Tolkien was a faculty buddy. Uh, they talked about what they were interested in and, and, uh, and they changed their minds. They changed each other's minds. And of course there was something to the fact that, that changing your minds is also related to changing your thinking, therefore changing your the way you live, they were all connected. Uh, and that there was a seriousness about that that was really compelling, that ideas have consequences. I, I, I can't, uh, uh, I, I'd be remiss if, uh, if I didn't ask a few questions, Max, about, because here, here's the truth. You know, my kids, I have a, ten, I have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. And uh, I will show probably the 12 year old this film. Um, but uh, of course, they don't know you as C.S. Lewis, but you are famous in my house, as you are probably famous in a lot of houses, as the voice of the Bible. <laughs> 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 and so there's so many people who are probably tuning into this podcast going, wait a minute, did I turn on my Bible app or am I listening to a podcast right now? Um, <laughs> Uh, Max, you clearly have a love of scripture and it you have been blessed with this amazing opportunity. You your how did your journey of becoming the voice of the scriptures how did that begin? Where did where did that journey begin and and just so you know, you've been a blessing to me, you've been a blessing to my family and I think to countless others. I'm just curious where where that began for you. Wow. Wow. Uh, well, I, as I mentioned, I'm an adult convert to Christianity. Uh, I, I uh, when I came back to the I studied in England. When I came back to the states, got involved in a very good church in New Jersey, Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and uh, I, 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 my daughter was, my oldest daughter was just about to be born, uh, and she's 41 now, so. Uh, and I wasn't doing very well in the theater in New York. Uh, so I was thinking, gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. So we started, we were attending the CMA church. I had lunch, breakfast with the pastor. And, and uh, you know, I was telling my troubles, my woes. And uh, 
he said, uh, would you read scripture for me on Sunday? <laughs> I uh-huh. said, yeah, I guess. Yeah. How's that going to work out? You know, I mean, I got, I'm trying here to tell you my, about my woes, you know, <laughs> you want me to read scripture. So, <laughs> and, and, but, you know, it was interesting because he, you know, he realized he could hear my voice. He could hear the training, he, you know, and the, and the work of an actor, particularly in the, in, uh, in the British uh, way of, of teaching. It's so, it's so uh, text-based and, and technique-based. So uh, I said, sure. And it was like an event waiting to happen. It was, it, it was extraordinary. And, uh, and so I would be asked, asked to do it. I, and it, what it did, it made me fall in love with the Bible. Uh, I went to seminary for a little bit, little seminary. It didn't finish. A little seminary goes a long way. Uh, but uh, I thought at one point it became clear, uh, you know, because uh, I, 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 the New York theater scene wasn't working for me. So I thought, why not use the skills and techniques I developed in the theater and apply it to, to the Bible? And and so what began was doing one-person shows of Mark's Gospel, Genesis, Acts, uh, and uh, and that's where sort of the career began. And and fellowship for performing arts uh, came as a result of of that because uh, the idea was uh, if I could, you know increase the production values and, and, you know, uh, get better, uh, you know, not just have uh, one light in front of a church, but, you know, really produce it. Uh, and so, uh, that's how fellowship became, got going. And then we sort of migrated from doing Bible productions to C.S. Lewis productions. And, and now we want to do others as well. Well, it's, it's, um, your voice, um, is I, th- I think one of the uh, best voices around, and I'm sure you've other people have, have said that to you. And it is a um, it is a real treat. Thank you. Yeah, it is a real treat. Whenever, and I I wonder if just just so that we're clear on how people can see this film. Um, basically, this film it came out in theaters. Uh, was it November third? And it was just supposed to be one night only, right, guys? Yeah, it's. And, it- one night, right? One night, and now it's through November the 18th, and we'll see what happens after that. Uh, in America, everywhere, cslewismovie.com. cslewismovie.com, it's usually geo targeted to where you are, and it'll lead you to the nearest theater. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we, um, want, we encourage people to get out there to see it in the theaters. I, I'm sure at some point it'll. Um, we'll, we'll have other, and, other means, but unfortunately we can't talk about it because of the, 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 the movie chains won't let us talk about it contractually. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we do have plans for it beyond this as well. Absolutely. But, well, you see, I'm, I'm British. Uh, and w- when the Americans started to say, um, you know, we'll, we'll put this up in, in theaters. I said, really, I didn't really shoot it for the cinema between you and me. Uh, I, I, it was meant to be a sort of a streamer or like the BBC Shadowlands or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the budget reflected that for a start. <laughs> um, but when they said we we're going to go in, in cinemas, I said, really? Now, I knew the film pictures were good enough. I knew that it would the, the quality of the piece would, would stand up. It wasn't really that long, but it was it was a good a good idea. When they told me they'd do it in one night, I thought, okay, what a clever idea. There you are. 
instead of paying masses of money on publicity, you're spreading the word and people are paying you tickets to go and see it. That is a masterstroke. Well done. And then it came to the day and they said, we're going to have 300. By that time, it, it came to last Wednesday, it was well, maybe 400. In actual fact, it was 500 cinemas. And I have never been associated with a film which became the second most watched film in the whole of America, <laughs> second only to Dune, uh, which I, I, that really took some swallowing. I couldn't quite get that. And then to find out that another place I was visiting, uh, Kentucky, they'd sold out four times at one cinema with still three weeks to go. Wow. So what goodness me, we're, getting, we're hitting an audience here. No, we're hitting a hunger. Which intrigues me since I've been a, ever since I've started making films. I was a Christian before I started. So this was an unusual thing. Um, and then they're going to extend it. And then this is happening and that's happening. And the pick of the box office is this. I mean, basically, people want to see it. And I don't, I do connect that to a couple of things. The COVID situation, as I think, reminded everyone of their mortality. Mm. I really think that's true, certainly in Britain. Uh, and the last time we had that sort of mortality shock was probably in the Blitz. Mm. When C.S. Lewis, of all people, took the train from Oxford into the Blitz in order to explain in bluff common man's language what the Christian faith was. Mm -hmm. And I've said before, it, it's apparently true that pub owners would be shouting to their people, Shut up, everybody. Quiet, quiet. Mr. Lewis is on the radio. And they'd all have to suck their pints while listening to C.S. Lewis talk about the faith and talk about Christianity. It became, of course, mere Christianity. But when you think about that, those people, I, I said to someone earlier, you know, Mrs. McCavity on the corner street, she got blown up by a bomb. They lost their parents. They lost their father. They lost their uncle uh, in the war. And that was a, re a ready thing. That was right there. And I think that audience was keen or keener to hear what was going on. I don't know any time since then. We've lost a lot of people in COVID over here, and I know America has there. But my goodness, we are aware of our limited mortality, including climate change and everything else. The world is not in a good place. Western culture is not in a good place. So suddenly, you're having to look at that in the mirror. Uh, you are immortal. What next? Uh, and I think maybe that, and certainly Christians who want to know more about Lewis and think, well, my friend would be interested in this. I think that's a, a legitimate following win. But otherwise, I'm just glad that Americans want to see something like this. My, my quote, I keep slightly misquoting Milton deliberately, um, <laughs> when there's a poem where he said, the hungry sheep look up and are not fed. Mm. And that was about a poem back in the 1700s uh, where where the church congregations were go, going into church and the, the, the priests and the ministers didn't really believe it themselves. I'm saying it in the context of those thinking, open-minded, non-Christians. We're not providing for them in any sensible, sensitive way. So uh, this sort of a general challenge to their thinking, and they can disagree or not disagree, but they'll be thinking. Uh, and, and that is something I'm, I'll be thinking about a lot more myself. How come this hits such an instant tune? But I don't think it's a flash in a pan tune. I think it, it's where our potential wider audience really is. If we 
take it seriously and make good films and say, how about this? We may have to have a filmic inklings. That's what we may have to do. There it is. That's your next, <laughs> that's your next project. Boy, this has been um, such a treat. Thank you, Norman. Uh, great words. Hi, of wisdom. Thank you uh, to both of you for um, you and Max and just, um, just it's been a joy um, speaking with you guys today. And let me just say, if it's okay, let me just always close these with a with a uh, a, a word of prayer. May I pray for you yeah. just real quick? Let's pray. Please do. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for these gentlemen. Thank you so much for the life of C.S. Lewis. Thank you so much for this film. Thank you so much for all the hard work that they put into this. God, we pray that you would use this film uh, to bring you honor, bring you glory, um, and to open up. Um, many uh, who are wrestling with who you are and the truth of who you are. And may the truth uh, of, of, uh, of, of who you are be revealed to those um, who are open to it. And thank you, for, thank you for Norman. I just pray a blessing upon him. Thank you for Max. Pray a blessing upon him. And uh, bless their families. Bless all their work endeavors. And we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name and your promises we stand. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Act One Podcast, celebrating over 20 years as the premier training program for Christians in Hollywood. Act One is a Christian community of entertainment industry professionals who train and equip storytellers to create works of truth, goodness, and beauty. The Act One program is a division of Master Media International. To financially support the mission of Act One or to learn more about our programs, visit us online at actoneprogram.com. And to learn more about the work of Master Media, go to mastermedia.com.